Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we quaff a few beers while discussing market events. We apologize for the lateness of this episode. 65 was meant to be last week, but we were simply too busy with everything going on in order to record. So hopefully this episode shall suffice. Sadly, I've not got my fancy microphone with me. Hopefully this doesn't sound too bad. But Sam, I've been on holiday for the past week. Can you tell me what actually has been going on while I've been away? As I've not really been uh, taking uh, taking close attention of what's up. Yeah, the, the funny thing is, so the reason, the other reason we're late is, is I had the week off before as well and uh, had, had a billion and one things on. So I had a week off, you've had a week off. And, uh, and then we, here, here we are today where I'm not 100% sure any of us actually knows what's going, what's going on in the markets, to be honest. I mean, from from my understanding of what's happened this week, um, the other reason I've, I've, I'll, I'll get to it in a minute, I've been, I've been away a couple of days this week, but um, there's, there's, there's probably three things that I've picked up on this week that might be worth talking about. One, uh, the idea of transitory inflation. I mean, how fucking stupid are these idiots that, that, that run central banks? Uh, because the US inflation numbers were ridiculous. Um, and the other thing was Bitcoin went to all-time highs. Um, there's some interesting stuff that's been happening in the crypto space, like the ENS uh, domain token, Ethereum name service token airdrop as well. Um, and in terms of the actual stock market, apparently Evergrande is actually defaulting. Um, and the, the market has been tepid at best. Um, albeit uh, there's been some, some stellar performers like Lucid, the EV company. Uh, Elon Musk decided to sell a bunch of his stock based on a Twitter poll, which ironically, just before the Twitter poll was posted, his brother sold $100 million worth of Tesla stock. Um, so, you know, the market just seems to be doing what it usually does and telling us one thing and doing something completely different. I do wonder now that we have a formal default for Evergrande, uh, I guess we're really going to find out whether or not this does spread and become uh, internationally contagious yeah. if we have some, uh, you know, a market pandemic, because now, now, I mean, the default has happened. It's not just a fear of a default. So I can imagine why things are, are looking pretty, uh, pretty dodgy back there. Seems probably a good, a good environment for gold as we've got all this inflation and now we're getting some uh, actual fear into the market itself, which is, is critical to a, uh, a gold spike. It can't just be low real interest rates and there does need to be some sense of fear going on. Um, but yeah, this is uh, seems like a pretty wild time. Maybe it's not the best time for us both to be taking holidays after all, they said. <laughs> well, you would think maybe it's not the ideal time to be taking a holiday, but the biggest holiday I ever took was right in the middle of the GFC and it worked uh, out all right. So, you know, it, it, it's not, the, it's actually probably, I reckon it's a good time to take holidays when, when shit's about to hit the fan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, I think a couple of our, uh, our our colleagues have actually were on holiday when the financial crisis hit. Ultimately, so yeah, maybe uh, maybe it is good time. I mean, it's probably good for your uh, you know your your blood pressure. I imagine if you're not actually at an action station when everything starts going awry, uh, it's probably got to be good for that. Um, but Sam, uh, just to, as uh, as we're starting out today, I thought we should probably introduce uh, some beers. I have been uh, enjoying quite a few beers as I'm away here in the Cotswolds. Uh, Sam, what's your what's your first one for the evening? Uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's been a while since I've had uh, a nice craft beer from somewhere in the world. So looking forward to these two. The first one is from the Temperance Beer Co. and it is called Escapist, which is actually pretty fucking good name for a beer considering what we've just said <laughs> boy, boy. it's an american ale ipa 6.7 percent uh abv and this comes from the temperance beer co by great central brewing company in chicago illinois us of a so this one is from across the pond i'm oh, very nice indeed and uh so far it's actually pretty damn good. So well done, Temperance Beer Co. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, I guess I'm, I'm going much, much closer to home here. Uh, so uh, I, I'm on holiday still. I'm currently in the Cotswolds uh, at, a, at a nice uh, nice place called Morton and Marsh. And I went to a beer shop here. There aren't actually that many beer shops uh, in the Cotswolds, funnily enough. But 
went to one and uh, bought a load of the local stuff. So this one is called White Knight uh, by Goff's Brewery. And Knight being the uh, man in armor rather than the, uh, you know, when, when it gets dark in the <laughs> evenings. Um, and this is a crafted Cotswold Ale, 4.7% uh, ABV. Uh, I believe crafted Cotswold Ale has been written in capitals for some reason. And instead of using O's, they've used zeros instead, which always irks me quite slightly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 4.7%. Uh, this is a well-hopped pale ale using Pilgrim, Fuggles, and East Kent Goldings for a gentle bitterness and a dry, hoppy finish. Deceptively drinkable for its strength. Yeah, very nice indeed. And yeah, and they've carried on with these zeros all the way through the back. I'm, Best I'm, before, see, bottle, b bottleneck, yeah, bottleneck, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to know why, 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 why it irks you. What, what, have you, is, did something happen in your childhood where the yeah. zeros and the, and the O's were? Uh, no, actually, well, what happened was somebody, somebody else pointed it out to me, and then I can't stop noticing it anymore. <laughs> so I, I've just been, I've just been used to, you know, glossing over that. And when I was a kid, I, you know, uh, you know, on the computer, you, you like substituting, uh, you know, uh, numbers for letters. So, you know, you put zeros and uh, ones instead of I's and whatever, you know, the, the whole 1337 thing. If you're a very, uh, you know, an internet native, I don't think kids say 1337 anymore, but, you know, elite speak and everything where you'd replace uh, E's with threes and everything. I was really into that. But now I'm a grown up. And now <laughs> when I see zeros instead of O's in all caps, it just gets me. And you, saw, you sometimes see it on you know, really big billboards. Like they paid, you know, big, big, you know, production companies uh, in order to make these adverts and things like that. It's like, who was it who decided to use a zero instead? I don't know. But uh, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's code. Maybe it's like in uh, what's that movie, uh, Beautiful Mind, where you just start seeing. Maybe there's coded messages here, where you just start seeing. Uh, maybe there's like you know, it's, called, it's like a numbers station, except instead of a uh, numbers being uh, broadcast over a certain airwave that you have to listen into if you're a communist spy. Maybe it's actually put on, on some beer bottles and you have to look after the messages on there. That's how the KGB communicate with their people on the inside now. It's the zeros yeah. mixed up on beer cans. I mean... It's how, all the beer nuts. They're all was, commies. It was obvious from the outset, wasn't it? Yeah, holy shit. Uh, I, I'm actually breaking cover here. Maybe uh, maybe this is all an elaborate ruse. Uh, like, I know this information is going to come out, so I'm going to get ahead of it by saying that, uh, yeah, may maybe, maybe, just as a joke, this is... Uh, this is code from our uh, our commie handlers. Yeah, but white knight does taste pretty good so far. So, uh, say, well, how, we'll, how is how is Vladimir these days? <laughs> yeah, big Vlad. Yeah, and, and maybe uh, maybe it's uh, Xi Jinping. I've got uh, I've got a hotline to Xi. Maybe I use uh, some kind of uh, some message that's written on one of the beer bottles, and maybe it's through our beer rating system, Sam. Maybe that's how I communicate with uh, the boys in Beijing. I, I'm I'm gonna have to run run our entire uh, our entire entire list through some sort of filter. Yeah, uh, I might um, and 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 you know do you know what I think the code that I will find the the written message that has been relayed between you and your commie uh, controllers and handlers. I think I know what the message is. I don't even need to decipher it. I think oh. it's just gonna say XRP the standard. Yeah, you're, you're goddamn right. I've been rumbled. I've been rumbled. Uh, you know, the only reason I, I flipped to the red side was because they promised me that they would bring back XRP as the standard. <laughs> that was what they promised. You know, I'm not getting any money for this, right? I'm not being put up in fancy hotels and, you know, uh, being uh, pampered by the by the commie overlords. They just promised me that XRP would be the standard once again, as it should be. And that's, uh, that's how they got my allegiance. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, I, and everyone was wondering why our, our beer rating system is so complex. I've still yet to create an infographic after, after promising it for so many years. <laughs> I will get around to it. But the real reason why it is as complex as it is, is because, uh, you know, I need, I need a certain amount of brevity to communicate my, uh, my messages back to, uh, back to the guys in Pyongyang, etc. So, uh, yeah, uh, but so far, so far, White Knight uh, is looking pretty good. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Maybe, maybe it actually tastes disgusting, but I'm going to give it a certain rating just because I need to communicate something. But so far, <laughs> it's pretty good. Very good. I, now, I, I suppose the other thing that has been happening uh, this week, which um, I know you'll have a view on, even though you've been on holiday. Uh, so the, the the world's attention has turned uh, up to Glasgow uh, for, the, <laughs> for, the, for the great 
the great meeting of the world's great minds, the great minds of the world. To where to, else would to, great minds gather? I know, right? I, when, like, when you think, okay, if you're going to bring the great minds of the world together, the, the the movers and shakers of policy, where where would you where would you go? I mean, come on, the first thing, first city comes to mind, Glasgow, every time, surely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I think you meant Aberdeen, but uh, but no, <laughs> Glasgow. Yeah, I don't know why. Why? Why? Why Glasgow? Um, I'm sure Nicola, Nicola, Big Nick, as she's called, was absolutely loving it. I remember I saw some headlines saying that she was aggressively trying to get a, a selfie with absolutely everybody. I saw on Twitter, I was, uh, you know, I had the cursed image of Nicola Sturgeon and AOC. Uh, holding on to a can of iron brew together, uh, which really was not oh um, was not pleasing to the eyes. But you know, I to be honest with you, I'd probably rather it wasn't Glasgow and Aberdeen. I mean, the the COP twenty six descending upon the Silver City, my <laughs> beloved hometown. Well, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't wear, I wouldn't wish that on the, <laughs> wouldn't wish that on the worst city in the world. It, it would leave a say, stain that you could you couldn't return to. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I do wonder how much this has sort of boosted the average Glaswegian's ego. Probably not very much, but you know, uh, I'm sure there are some some very uh, sort of publicly, you know, into their politics uh, Ouija's out there who, who are really into it. And you know, if you're if you are listening to Booze, Booms and Bus, you know, and you're from Glasgow, don't worry. I know that you're one of the good ones. Uh, but Aberdonians and Glaswegians, uh, we don't normally see eye to eye on many things. So. Uh, uh, well, I'm sure they got plenty of business done. Uh, uh, how many people was it? Like twenty five thousand people arrived in Glasgow for that, for that thing. Altogether. Was that really how many? I mean, how, how many? How many? I saw. I saw it somewhere, but I mean, that, that's probably it's probably uh, including all of the logistics contractors and all the catering folks who had to go there. You know, uh, who were brought in magnifies out the numbers a bit. But uh, yeah, an awful lot of people. I, I, well, actually, maybe half of that, Sam, was uh, was Biden's motorcade. I've never seen such a long <laughs> motorcade in my entire life. I'm guessing they weren't electric powered. Um, the beasts. No, well, if they were, they made an awful lot of noise. <laughs> it's funny. I saw. I've seen. You know, the, I think people, or maybe it's just my social feeds uh, and the people I hang out with, uh, see through this facade. I mean, there's there's literally, like you say, there's motorcades for for these dignitaries. There's chauffeur-driven cars continuously sat idling outside of buildings. There's pre-parties, after-parties, um, lunches, uh, the the excess that goes on at these events. Do not underestimate that this is literally the 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 political elite of the world rubbing noses. Uh, looking down on the rest of everyone else and just saying we are just here to basically cup and fucking twist balls on each other and nothing's going to come out of it of any significant note but you know it's good to be seen to be doing something albeit the outcome is typically nothing from these things yeah, it is. It is kind of weird that they did do a, an in-person conference, considering all of these people who who arrived there were telling us it was completely. We should all be working remotely for the past, you know. Uh, well, we're coming up to two years now. I guess one and a half years. Uh, but no, no virtual conferences. No, we they had to meet in person so that uh, Nicholas Sturgeon could hand a can of Iron Brew in person <laughs> to AOC. That was that was definitely that was definitely required. Now you know, I'm and I'm totally against uh, lockdowns and all that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, there, there's plenty of hypocrisy to go around. Uh, I mean, what's your take from it, Sam? You think uh, you think anything will come of, the, of COP26? I mean, no. Like, Biden fell asleep in the opening remarks. Uh, your mate G didn't even bother turning it up. Uh, yeah. Ch- China's not stupid, right? So, so the two biggest polluters in the world are China and the US. Okay, we know that. If, if, they, if they did sort out their shit, nobody else would have to do anything like everyone else could continue to consume fossil fuels could consume fucking dirty coal whatever they wanted and the world would achieve all its targets of whatever it's trying to achieve china and us just need to sort their shit out but they won't because china's not stupid they've got however many billion people they need to you know heat and feed so you know they're not going to go to net zero 
And I'm going to go net zero by 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, or 2100. It's just not going to happen. And I think it is incredibly naive for anyone to think that they will. I do, so, I do question this whole thing with one and a half degree centigrade. Like, why one and a half, guys? And is anyone even remotely convinced that this even can be done? I mean, we can't predict the weather a day from now reliably. Uh, and yet we're saying, no, no, no. If we manage to keep the temperature at you know, one, and a half to, one and a half degrees, that's our max. Uh, then, then we'll be fine. It, uh, I just, it just seems very, ah, it seems very silly. But you know, I'm not a meteorologist, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave that to the, uh, to the, to the much more, you know, much cleverer, much smarter, and uh, much more qualified than ourselves. Is the, the other, yeah. Well, the other thing I, I found interesting is, is out of last week is that all of a sudden it's not carbon anymore that is the, is the silent killer. It's methane as well. We're back on the methane bandwagon, and this isn't the first time that the the the, the threat of cow farts has um, you know threatened our very livelihoods and existence. I distinctly remember methane being an issue um, back when I was a kid in Australia because of the giant uh, hole in the ozone layer that we were told was was you know large and going to get larger, and if we didn't fix the world then we australia would burn to death um apparently that hole has closed um i think again i'm, I'm, I'm no climate scientist but i I'm, I, I heard that it had closed um and yet <laughs> everything seems to be worse i don't know i just i struggle maybe i'm skeptical i think you know the, the, i come from it from from an angle that i think anything that improves um well, no, not improves. Anything that takes care of our environment while at the same time providing a valuable good or service to people to help lift their living standard or reduce their cost of living, I think that's a good thing, right? You know, if, if we can get energy from a source that provides people with abundant, clean, cheap energy, I mean, that's better than abundant, dirty, expensive energy, right? I mean, I don't, I don't see how anyone can disagree with that. Doing it just because you want to pander to uh, fucking woke liberals, whatever. But fundamentally, those things are good for us. So we should encourage them. Um, but all of this policy and protests and uh, um, lobbying and all this kind of junk, it's like, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. It's equally, um, you know, contributing towards... You know, or everyone moving and traveling to these things, you know, there's like there's an energy cost and stuff. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, they've got to fly somewhere to meet to make these decisions. Like Every single decade, and you go back through history, every single decade, this, this conversation has existed. It just seems like it's so much more in your face now, like everything else, right? Because of our access to information and 24-7 instantaneous thirst for, um, for, for, for salacious headlines, you know, and the more salacious they are, the more we eat them up and come back for more. And I think that the the issue uh, is exactly the same that it's been for the last 50 years. Uh, the problem isn't probably any worse or better. Um, it's just that it seems to be, I think the perception of it is, is, is far different because of the way in which we consume and connect information these days. Yeah, the internet. It's certainly going to uh, serve as a force multiplier to that, as it has for so many other things. Uh, but Sam, I mean, are you telling me that if I if I glue myself to the highway, that uh, the world isn't going to change? The amount of memes I've seen of that fucking idiot that glued his face to the road. It's like there's that. You see that one? It's like that meme where it's like a it's like an old advertisement where like kids sitting on the dad's knee or whatever. And there's another kid sat on the floor, and the kid's like. Dad, what did you do to fight climate change? And the guy was like, and he's like, half his face is peeled off and just like blood red. And he goes, I glued my head to the road. And then the kid on the ground is just like, fucking idiot. <laughs> it is uh, it is remarkable what our uh, our elders and betters supposedly uh, have been doing. You know, so many of these guys are boomers. The, uh, the, the green warriors who are, uh, you know, gluing themselves to the pavement and whatever. It is, it's kind of depressing. 
Uh, it's kind of weird that the only boomers that I found who are actually sort of taking responsibility for uh, you know their generation's impact on the world, uh, they're only on this eco. They're all they're all the green guys. You don't see them in any other in any other. Oh well, I've yet to see them. Maybe I'm sure there's plenty of them out there actually, but I've yet to encounter boomers who are uh, who are sad about what what their generation has done in any other environment other than the green the green environment. I mean, have you seen anything contrary to that, Sam? Um, not, not really. Would you, you know, with the, the talk, just talk about what, what, what the, the impact that boomers have had on, um, mm. on our world. Do you know what the first thing that turns to, to, to my head is, is to, the impact they've had is to own all the property and see the greatest appreciation <laughs> in asset, in assets that, that, that the world has ever seen primarily off the back of, uh, you know, rampant inflation and, um, you know, just this this incredible boom in asset prices over time, which you know these things all reward asset owners and and boomers for you know that sort of that first real generation to have a very very much more focused um, eye towards investment, towards property as an investment, yeah. towards shares and stocks, because the markets you know really opened for them uh, to have the ability to even invest in companies and things like that. So access. They were really the first generation that got mass access to the market and to assets, and of, of, of you know, and and so now we we, you know, this sort of is a is a pretty good segue into things like, you know, the the inflate, inflation issue which has hit. I, I saw a wonderful. Um, there's a in Australia. There's a um, uh, the the sort of national news agency is ABC News. It's somewhat of somewhat of the equivalent to the to the BBC here, um, albeit at the ABC. Is, is, is better um, but anyway they've got this program called four corners kind of like an investigative style program and they, they recently had a um, uh, an episode on the Australian property market and how like you think that the the British market is a little bit crazy and it's seen these you know one you know these huge price increases over the recent times you don't know nothing if you haven't seen the Aussie property market. I encourage everyone, you can jump onto YouTube, go to Four Corners. I think I think if you go to YouTube, let's see if I can pull this up while I uh, just elongate what I'm talking about. If you go to youtube.com and search for Four Corners with the number four uh, and then corners, it should come up as, yeah, one of the early, one of the early... Uh, it's basically everything on there. Anyway, there's you'll find one on uh, the Australian property market. It's one of the most recent ones. Fascinating insight as to what's going on in 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 lockdowns and in everything that's happened since the pandemic. The Australian property market has actually accelerated at a pace faster than it ever has, um, which is it was already pretty bad. It's not <laughs> it was already the, it was already the envy of the world when it comes to property speculation. Yeah, and it just makes it like it makes it the, the episode, by the way, is called uh, Going, Going, Gone. But you'll find it, it said the, the headline is What's Driving the Boom in Australian Property Prices? Very, very good uh, look at how boomers have benefited, how, how market and inflation uh, actually can hit um, a, a market without, you know, without being like, you know, the headline inflation numbers. You know, you don't necessarily see, you know, oh, the headline inflation number is, you know, two point five percent. It's like, yeah, okay, but in reality, when you see property prices, you know, effectively doubling within the space of about two years, um, there, there, there's 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 other pockets of, of of price increases, which are good and bad, right? So, and this is the other thing is, I, I there was an article. There's an article that's been going around online. Um, that's been copping a lot of heat because the basic premise of the artist, it might've been in the New York times or something like that was that inflation is good for people. And, you know, those, of us, quite a few of those. those of us who are sane know that that is utter hogwash. Um, it, the, the levels of inflation that we're seeing are not good for people. They're, they're good for asset owners, but not, but most people aren't asset owners. Um, most people, you know, a lot of people are renters. A lot of people don't own, you know, fucking 20 stocks in a portfolio of the NYSE or the NASDAQ or the LSE or whatever. And so that it hits people, you know, when your bill goes up 20% in a year and your food prices are up 10% and 
And then the central bank comes out and goes, oh, you know, it's 4% inflation and it's transitory. It'll come back. We expect it to be like this. And he's like, what the fuck? No, that's not how the real world works. So it's an interesting, interesting position. Cause I think was it that to October, um, the U S inflation numbers were like 6.1% to October. Mm. I mean, come on. Big figures, big figures, big plays. Yeah. I think the, yeah, I think the inflation, I mean, obviously the inflation argument is very, uh, is very nuanced because when people say inflation, what kind of inflation are they referring to? Sure. In general, prices rising, uh, you know, is, is not really something you want to see uh, when it comes to basic goods, uh, energy especially. Uh, and of course, generally, as many things do, uh, if, you're, if you're very wealthy, you'll, uh, you'll either be fine or you will be, uh, or you'll benefit from inflation. Though it should be noted, uh, and if, yeah, and to expand upon that, I don't want to don't want to be dismissive. Uh, contrary to that, of course, if you are if you're poor, inflation is incredibly bad for you. Uh, you uh, of course you don't own assets, and at the same time, uh, the it's food prices and the really basic stuff, uh, which which yeah you know it gets ahead of the inflation curve when it comes to uh, the, which assets which uh, inputs are rising in cost the fastest. It's things like basic necessities which, which go up uh, an awful lot. Uh, so it's the poorest who actually feel uh, hit the hardest by inflation, uh, and you know it, it's it's you know the very well off the the wealthy folks who own lots of property and things like that who who are hit the least. And at the same time, you know if you're poor, you probably don't you, know, you can't go to Costco and bulk buy your food. You're eating much more uh, you know uh, much more not hand to mouth but you know, on a on a more a sort of weekly basis, which of course makes it makes things very difficult, and where it allows uh, people who are wealthier to to avoid most of that pain. But at the same time, one caveat I would like to add to this, of course, while if you are wealthy, if you own the right things, the right inflation hedges. So if you own a lot of gold bullion, for example, you'll probably be fine. Uh, but things, certain things like the stock market. Uh, once inflation reaches a high enough figure, and in America, it's generally when it once it's over four percent. Uh, that's when things start to get really wobbly for the broader stock market, uh, and that uh, that is something I'm pretty interested to see how that how this plays out. Because historically, uh, once inflation is over four percent, it's generally bad for stock market investors. This is something that happened just in the run up to the global financial crisis, uh, and we didn't really see what the impact was. Because suddenly the financial crisis showed up, and everyone got wrecked, and that was the re- reason why uh, asset prices fell. But I do wonder now that we're in this sort of mode, we'll actually be able to see what the what the punishment of inflation does to stocks, especially American ones. But you know, over here in the UK, uh, it's a different market makeup, so the, the different assets might benefit. We've got loads of commodity producers on the FTSE, so we should uh, we should do all right. When it comes to you know tech stocks and things like that, it'll be very interesting to see what uh, over four percent inflation does yeah. over you know a few in a few months' time if this yeah. really is sustained, because it looks like it will be sustained. Maybe it won't be, we'll see. And, you know, maybe another financial crisis, maybe Evergrande will suddenly, you know, pull the rug on the whole inflation thing because we see a massive uh, collapse in demand. We see energy prices falling, et cetera, and we get a, a big deflation shock again. Maybe that's mm. what happens. But if it doesn't, uh, I'll be very interested to see what high inflation does to these stocks because uh, while people think stocks are an inflation hedge, they aren't always. Uh, yeah. It really depends on which stocks you do own. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, 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 so that's, it is very worrying to see these high inflation figures. I'm not even remotely surprised, uh, but I've been in inflation stuff for a long period of time. But uh, yeah, uh, seeing them he- headline inflation being as high as it is, and you already know that a lot of the other inflation inputs are much, much higher than 6%. So uh, yeah, I think yeah, if you're a big into property, yeah, inflation is great for you. Uh, when you're thinking of who wins and who loses, one, th- one side of inflation, which I think, isn't dwelled upon as much, and which we actually uh, we actually noted what well, we made an all- uh, allusion to earlier in this conversation was the generation divide. So I think inflation is actually going to be really not very good for boomers, and I think it might be really good for millennials because the 1970s were actually a fine time if you were a young fella who was working hard uh, because you could demand pay rises quite often, and at the same time uh, you could get mortgages and you'd let. Uh, inflation burn away the debt. So it was actually a pretty good thing if you were young. So if you were a baby boomer, effectively, uh, inflation was a very good thing for you in the 1970s, or it could be if you played your played your car, your cards right. Uh, whereas it was not good for older people who were savers and had loads of money in the bank. So I think maybe a similar thing might happen where you might see a generational wealth shift from boomers to millennials uh, in this period if it is it is sustained. But 
Uh, what, I mean, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah. I'd be interested to know your thoughts because the Australian property market, you know, things like that, you're, you guys are massively into your property. You guys are also massively into commodities, which are yeah. you know, very, very sensitive to inflation too. So Australia, you, Australian assets in general, I generally think would do well as the Australian dollar should as well. But what, what's your what's your thought? Um, look, it's a tough one, right? I Do you know what I think is going to be good for millennials? Um don't take this the wrong way for anyone listening. Uh, it was when the boomer, when boomers die. Um, there's the, like, I was, t- I'm trying to figure this out in my head. I've had this conversation. No, with- no, Sam, we're not trying to stoke domestic unrest here. <laughs> we're not, we're not, it's like, we're not trying to, we're not trying to, you know, don't like lock your parents in the garage and turn the car on. Um, what I mean, there's there at some point, there's going to be an incredible transfer of wealth from boomers to their younger generations. I wonder, and, and this, 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 this just, you know, I, this is just something that's been, I've been throwing around in my head. I wonder if millennials really give a shit as long as their parents own a property uh, and some assets. I wonder if they actually care that much about what's happening right now. I don't know. I'm not sure I can come to a conclusion on that. I mean, so technically, you know, my my my, my dad's yeah. a boomer, and but I'm not like I'm not like hanging by, you know, I'm not like, how much am I going to get my parents? I don't care. I told him like I said to him once, just spend everything you've got. I don't want a penny of it. If, if you leave me anything, that's your decision. But I don't I don't give a shit. But I wonder how many out there are just like, oh, it'll be all right when the folks die. My inheritance will pay off my mortgage. Um, you know, I've, 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 I've leveraged to my eyeballs because I have to, to even just get in this market. Um, I can either, you know, I may pay off this for the rest of my life or, you know, I'll probably get a big windfall when, uh, they, you know, pop their clogs and I'll be, you know, kicking along with happy days. So I don't know. I wonder, I wonder if this just all keeps on going more mental and more mental. And then, you know, the generation that comes after us, the millennials, our kids are just like, they're like triply screwed, but just hoping that asset prices, you know, go even more bonkers. But then at some point, maybe there is a crash and someone gets fucking left holding the can. I don't know. But I just wonder if anyone actually really cares as much as we think they do. Well, we're obviously much more exposed to the to the situation. We're much more, we pay a lot of attention on the situation. So I do think, I think you're certainly right. I think some people are, uh, some some millennials uh, and maybe some Gen Xers as well are like, you know, maybe when my parents die, I'll be fine, that kind of thing. Uh, though I must say, Sam, I mean, if uh, I've already blown my cover as being a, you know, a communist agitator in my, uh, <laughs> earlier on this podcast, this has only been further, further enforced now that we're talking about, you know, generation wars and millennials hoping their parents die and things like that. Um, yeah, it, it is a tricky one. I think it does. I think in America, it'll be felt uh, because so many Americans, uh, your average Joe's own stocks, if the stock market does take a dive uh, and the rise in property prices doesn't offset it, you do wonder. You do wonder what the what the eventual, uh, you know, the consequence is going to be. Uh, Sam, by the way, I am on my second beer now. Yes, uh, I, I think we should probably rate uh, We should probably rate the first ones. Uh, how would you, your temperance one, how would you rate it? Oh, that was a very easy to drink beer. That was uh, very enjoyable. American ale, IPA, decent weight, six point seven percent. I, uh, I mean, it wasn't for like, oh my god, I must drink this beer again. But it was like that was pretty easy to drink. Went down quite well for a pretty heavy beer. Uh, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a B, just a flat B. Oh, very nice, very nice indeed. The White Knight from uh, from Goths Brewery in the Cotswolds was uh, was very fine. Nothing to write home about. I'll give it a B minus, I think. Uh, but yeah, no, certainly not bad. Uh, if anyone was uh, interested in trying one, I'd give it a go. Uh, it has a nice label as well, which which also helps. I'll be. I'm actually now drinking its counterpart, which is Black Knight. So ah. Black Knight, this is Black Knight by Gold's Brew. I thought we'd do a matching pair this evening. Uh, another crafted Cotswold Ale with a zero for the oak. This one is 5.3% ABV, so stronger and this is a, a deep ruby red beer yeah very deep indeed it looks more like a stuff than, than a ruby red beer when you pour it out uh, but very nice very nice indeed chocolate malt aromas and a hint of vanilla brewed with brambling cross hops for a soft lingering fruity finish a classic porter yeah 
Yeah, all right, a classic portrait, right. It has revealed its true colors at the end of the description <laughs> rather than being a ruby red. Right, okay, yeah. This is, uh, this does seem much more like much more like a portrait. I was like, if this is a this is a red beer, you know, red ale, this must be very dark indeed. But yeah, that's what I'm trying at the moment. What's your second one, Sam? Uh, so my second one uh, is from the Wildcard Brewery in Lockwood Way in London. Uh, it is a the name of the beer is um, not overly complex. It is called IPA. Wow. So guessing it's an IPA, six point one percent volume. But it, the artwork on the can is is quite impressive. It's um, a like one of those sort of medieval lions that's standing on its hind legs pouring away at something uh with a with with a couple of pentagons orange pentagons behind it on a purple label um with a dice uh a squiggly line and some intersecting ovals on it i, I i'm sure there's like some greater meaning to this uh i don't know it looks weirdly kind of like a dutch lion when you look at the colors and, and the line itself. So maybe there's a Dutch element to it. The artwork is by someone called uh, Valero Doval. You know, maybe they're a bit Belgian, Dutch, you know, from that part of the world. I don't know. Cool artwork, cool can. Um, and it is literally what it says on the tin, an IPA. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, Sam, uh, I, I will have to head off not in the not too distant future. However, there was one segment we introduced in our last episode, which I would like to, to try oh, yeah. again because it was oh, yeah. good fun. So this is where we go to coin market cap and we, we check out the newly listed cryptocurrencies as they make hundreds of the damn things all the time. Yeah. And uh, we, we, without knowing the actual project, without knowing the actual reason this token exists, other than to make money, of course, uh, we need to pitch it to the other person. Mm. Uh, so there's so, uh, you know, every day there are some crazy ones on here and uh, there's still loads of dog coins getting listed <laughs> here. So I can see Genshin Fluke Inu, G-Floki, uh, all of these are, well, almost all of these are on Binance, yeah, classic. Uh, so Genshin Floki Inu uh, is with a $20 million market cap, $15 million in volume, which is wow. pretty impressive, up 221% in the last 24 hours, down 20% in the last hour. Uh, Genshin Floki, how would I pitch that to you? Mm. What is it? Tell me, tell me about Genshin Floki Inu, guys. Yeah, uh, well, uh, Genshin Floki Inu. Uh, yeah, I'll just call it Genshin Floki Inu. Floki Inu, <laughs> I guess. Uh, rank 2007. This has great potential, my man. This has great potential indeed. Have you seen the number of zeros after the decimal point before the price arrives? Wow. This You can buy a single Genshin Floki Inu for 0.0. Not, 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 not one nine three five dollars. Yeah, you could buy a trillion of these easy, easy, Sam. That this is my pitch. It is so cheap. It is so cheap that wh why could you turn it down? But that, that's that's a, that's a very difficult argument to count. It's just so cheap. <laughs> it's literally. That's actually, and I'm not even joking. That is literally how some of these tokens get people to buy into them. Is because they are so cheap that you can own billions of them. And there's some sort of weird investor psychology that says, if I yeah. own a billion tokens and it goes to a dollar, I'm a billionaire. That, that I'm yeah, not even joking. That is the mindset of some of the people that buy these tokens. And 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 you'll see it when they're like. Genshi Floki Inu to a dollar. And it's like, nah, mate. Because whoa, then... whoa. No, Sam, <laughs> Sam, I, I have to interrupt. As we've we've seen such, I've just noted such a gem. You know, this is the such potential in this token. Hang on. So are you gonna steal my thunder on this next one then? Uh maybe. Okay, no, after no, you, go. Well, I'll let you go for no no, you go first. You go first. Well, there's a couple that there's a couple I wanted to pitch to you today. Um, you know, the, like you know, Zilla Matrix. If you want to talk about cheap, I mean, <laughs> Zilla Matrix is again, you know, a Binance chain coin, and its price is zero point zero 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 
0.00001. However, it's actually less than that, but we don't know how much less than that at this point because coin market cap doesn't have enough zeros to show us how many zeros are needed for the actual price of Zilla Matrix. Wow. I, but that's not what I wanted to cover. If that ain't cheap, I don't know what is. But what did you want to cover? Sam? What I wanted to pitch to you today, Boaz, was a, a, a crypto on Binance Smart Chain, a, a, a dog-based crypto, that the very essence of it is about safe sex. <laughs> Oh, here we, yeah, oh, yeah. I saw this one. It, this was not the one I was referring to. You can go for it though, Sam. On you go. Pitch so, it to me. Crypto markets can be wild. Um, you you meet very very strange, very interesting people uh, in in the crypto world, in the crypto sphere, and it's inevitable that at some point you meet you know like minded individuals that support your shitcoin that that it want to invest in something that is a dog or a, perhaps a doggy coin now the investment in said doggy coins when you're with a like-minded doggy coin investor things can get a little frisky and can lead to doggy style sexual relations now it's important that if you're participating in said relations that you practice safe doggy investing and so what better way to do that, to practice safe doggy investing than with the crypto doge condoms? Now, it's really all about sliding on that rubber sheath before you hit the buy button. And it's trading at 0. 0.000005966. I mean, that alone gives me a semi. I'm sure it gives a lot of the other dogecoin investors semis. But if you want to practice safe Doge investing on Binance Smart Chain, slide on the Doge condom coin. It's an absolute no-brainer. Oh man, this is uh, yeah, <laughs> I uh, yeah, you do wonder the, the level of it, it's just so easy to create current coins on Binance Smart Chain that you do really want. Like, what is the limit to all of these dog tributes? So uh, there's another one right here called Shiba Duff. So I believe this is, I've not, I, I don't watch The Simpsons. I've, I think I watched one episode of The Friends House, but I believe Duff is like the name of the, the beer they drink there. Yeah. So the, they've done one here called Shiba Duff. So yeah. they're just con, con, combining Japanese dogs <laughs> with the beer from The Simpsons and then trying to mint a coin off the top of it. Um, but yeah, Doge condoms, uh, well, I, uh, I don't think I will be, I, I I think I will abstain from this uh, investment myself, Sam. And uh, I would encourage everybody listening to this uh, to do to do the same. But I'm very glad I did not steal your thunder there. There was one other that I did want to bring up. And it really is this one. You know, it didn't actually strike. It did, I didn't realize the providence of this token before where, you know, when I was first looking at the list. And now I, now I realize I realized what, what a gem of a shit coin that we have here. So, uh, you know, if we just cast our minds back to the golden years, you know, well, I mean, golden years. I mean, the golden years are really just when XRP was the standard, of course. Uh, but, but if we look back to 2017, uh, this was a very, a very bullish time to be a crypto investor. And of course, there was the great, the, the titan that was BitConnect. Uh, with the ticker BCC. And of course, it was a massive fraud. Oh. Uh, stayed away from it big time and was oh. not, you know, everyone should have stayed away from it. They were just promising that they would make money trading tokens. Uh, they'd give you like 5% a day or something ridiculous. And of course, it was, they had, uh, what was his name? Uh, Carlos Matos at his, at, at this, you know, crypto conference where he arrives on stage and says, hey, 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 BitConnect. And this is, uh, you know, it became a massive meme. Uh, I would encourage everybody who is listening to this, if you're not familiar with this, just go to YouTube and type in BitConnect uh, <laughs> Conference or BitConnect Carlos, watch his presentation. Uh, if ever there was a, uh, if ever there was a video that should accompany anyone who is interested in going into crypto, show them that video, watch that video and say, yeah, this was a massive fraud. 
if you didn't know that that was a massive fraud, when you saw that this guy was uh, promoting this token in that way, then you should definitely not be in the crypto space. But <laughs> that was BitConnect. Uh, here we are. We have a Binance chain. So this has nothing to do with Ethereum, nothing at all. And yet we have EtherConnect. So BitConnect, which was just playing off the name of Bitcoin, we now have EtherConnect, and it's not even anything to do with Ethereum or Ether. It's on Binance, and it's called EtherConnect. <laughs> just like BitConnect with BCC, this one's ticker is ECC. <sighs> and it's minted, and uh, I'm looking at this, and it says it's up 60% in the last 24 hours and 10% in the last hour. Wow. Uh, yeah, like, oh, man. Like, Sam, I, it's so... <sighs> It's, a, it's just so crazy. It's like, so what is the selling proposition for this? Well, it's I guess it's just the meme. So it's just people who have maybe some nostalgia for BitConnect. Maybe they made some money and they sold out before the massive crash. I mean, what, what's going on with this? Because EtherConnect, it just seemed, the fact that EtherConnect is not actually related to Ether at all, and it's on finance. I can't even make a fucking for website me. for this thing. <laughs> Damn right. Like, this is this is mental. I mean, so okay. So in all seriousness, there is there are some things that need to be said about all this. One, it's very concerning because this is exactly the kind of behavior that we saw in 2013 and in 2017 before we hit the top of the market, and then we saw uh, multiple year long crypto winter, if you will call. Now, it, you know, it was a winter at the time. It was higher than the previous highs from the previous cycle, and it's very good chance that if we do top out. Um, after this one, you know, we may see we may see similar patterns. Nonetheless, there will be people that buy at the top that get fucking wrecked, as they do after each cycle. That cash out, don't hold through for the cycles. Blah 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 blah. There's a lot of action happening in the crypto market right now that worries me and genuinely worries me because it is exactly the same kind of behavior that we saw just before the tops of every previous cycle. Things like just a rampant abundant number of shit coins like everything we've just gone through hitting the market which is exactly what's happening right now around the dog coins and enus and zillas and fucking whatever it might be and it's all on binance yeah. smart chain it was all it was all previously um just you know in 2013 it was just tokens just literally listing uh, a a paragraph and some cool shit on um bitcoin talk and then you'd go and trade it. They didn't. They weren't even really on blockchains. They were their own kind of blockchain. They were just copy and paste jobs. Um, then everything started listing, and ARC twenty tokens became a thing in twenty seventeen. And um, you didn't go to Bitcoin Talk for necessarily the debuts of these things, or you sort of did. But there were, you know, a similar sort of cycle. And the same thing's happening now. And it's not just that. It's like so other things, right? So the other thing. And we want to quickly just mention, we maybe will dive into it uh, in another podcast, was like the Ethereum name service, the ENS airdrop. Um, they dropped tokens to anyone that hold it, held an ENS domain. So you could buy domain names on Ethereum and allocate them to wallets. I mean, this has been around for years. I mean, I, I personally, I, I mean, I fucked around with it, bought some really shit um, .eth names and just sort of assigned them to some wallets. Um I'm not going to tell anyone what they are because they were they were so stupid. Um, but I got I got some airdrop from it, right? And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And then I looked at the price, and it was like thirty dollars. And then it went to like eighty four dollars. I'm like, "What the fuck? What what the what the actual fuck?" The, <laughs> when 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 you're in the crypto market and money is literally just getting thrown at you out of nowhere and serious amounts for no good reason other than just because you kind of got to start to prick your ears up and go, whoa, there's a lot of toppy signs that are happening right now. And then everyone's like, oh, but this time it's different. And I was like, that's another one of the fucking signs, you idiots. Big time, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, as much as all, as all of this is really fun right now, and there's a lot of big money getting made and, and you know, making some good games and people making some good money and making some wealth and, you know, changing their, you know, how they fucking live, happy days. All I would say is that there's a lot of shit that suggests to me that you really, we really, at, at any given moment, you never know with the crypto market, it could turn on a dime, something could happen, and then shit crashes and it doesn't come back for the next four years. If it's you're time, yeah. riding, if you're riding some gains right now on the way up, just be, just be smart, right? Just don't, just, just be smart. <laughs> I think, I think, I think it's my message here. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, you know. Make sure that you don't 
ignore what's slapping you in the face right in front of you, but also be very aware that there's a lot of shit happening right now that suggests that a lot of the market, and I'm not, I'm not talking about Bitcoin here. Bitcoin is a very different fish to what happens in, in everything else in the altcoin space. Just be wary that there's a lot of stuff that's that is quite terrifying to someone like me that's lived through a number of crypto cycles over the last decade. Yeah, of course, uh, and it, it, it's, it somewhat goes without saying, but we should always say uh, when we are discussing uh, you know, investment matters in as uh, as specific uh, as this, that uh, this podcast is not intended to provide investment advice. Uh, we should be, uh, you know, this is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So uh, don't uh, take any of our, any of our, uh, what even may even appear to be a recommendation uh, from this and actually put a dime of your money into uh, into a token like Ether Connect, which is, uh, yeah. if, the, if the first one wasn't a fraud, well. Uh, or you know, or the Doge one, Condom. Uh, the, well, I was the genuinely was fraud, taking the, the piss there. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy that we have to, you know, one has to uh, know, right? give such such an explanation. Of course, if you are a triple B listener, you're a, you're, you're a clever cookie anyway. Yeah, exactly. uh, but Sam, I will have to be heading off shortly, yep. sadly, uh, but I think we should rate our second beers and then we shall end it for episode 65. So Sam, how was your second beer? Um, so it's a little bit heavier, definitely a hazier IPA. Um, it was enjoyable. It is not. I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the Escapist more than that. There's the, the this one sort of sits a little bit heavier. I'm not not a huge fan of it. I think it was still a nice beer, but certainly not as good as the other one. I think I just give this a. I give this an A plus. It was okay, but but not outstanding. That seems fair enough. Uh, the Black Knight I've had to complement the White Knight I had earlier. Uh, it was very nice indeed. Uh, similarly. Uh, you know, similarly, very fine. Nothing to write home about, but yeah, nothing bad with it at all. And as a porter, it went out very easily. So I'll give that one a B minus, I think. Uh, but folks, uh, that is all that we have for this week. We shall be back next week. I don't think we'll give another one week delay. All being well, we shall manage to be back with episode 66 next week. Uh, that's all for the moment. We shall be back next time. In the meantime, hope you have a good one. Uh, be careful out there when you're, uh, if you're thinking of speculating at all, yeah. anything named with the with the suffix connect at the end of it. Or Doge or Inu or Floki or fucking anything. Or Zilla, yeah. Uh, or condoms, for that matter. Oh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think there are many, many investment propositions which are generally good, good runs for the long term. With that, <laughs> um, you know, I'm happy to be corrected. That's all for this week, folks. We'll see you in the next one. Bye bye.